Good morning, Springhouse. It's a great day to be in the house. Are you excited about cooler temperatures outside? Amen. Amen. Especially if you work in those conditions, right, Justin? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord, uh, I got right to my seat at communion because I was determined just to connect with him. And then the Lord convicted me <laughs> and said, you know, Kevin, the people who come at 1045, I'm glad they're here. <laughs> I want you to know I'm glad that you're here even if you're late. <laughs> but I do want you to be on time. <laughs> but you are late. And I want you to be on time. Uh, but I am glad that you are here. Uh, the alternative being not being here. So I'm glad that you are, that you are here. If you're joining us on live stream, I wish you were here. But I'm glad that we have this means for you to connect with us as well. A couple of things before we get started uh, into the Word this morning. First of all, immediately following um, the, the gathering here, we've got two, uh, two luncheons going on simultaneously. Uh, the first one is if you are working with our kids' ministry, you guys have a luncheon in the fellowship hall. So you actually, at the end of the service, can exit out this way and make your way across, and uh, the luncheon will be in there. And then we have a newcomer's lunch uh, for those registered. And for those who didn't register, if today's your first time, or maybe you didn't think to register, or you didn't know how to register, and you've got some time, and you'd like to meet the pastoral team, learn about our church, uh, we would love for you to join us. That will be our out here right in the foyer uh, following the gathering. Now, we will need some time for people to transition out, so we probably won't start for about 15, 20 minutes after the gathering, uh, but we will start, and there'll be food out there, and then we'll eat and fellowship together and, uh, and get to know one another, okay? Is that good? All right, so we have that. The next week, if you've never been water baptized uh, and you would like to be baptized, we'll be doing some baptisms next week. And so uh, if you're interested in that, you can go on the app and register for that. And a pastoral staff member will reach out to you and get you the information uh, that you need. We'll be doing baptism in both, uh, both gatherings. And then lastly, uh, Sherry and I are leading a marriage retreat in January of 24, and so we would like to invite you to come along with us. There's information in the app uh, for this. Uh, it's very, uh, a very limited capacity, but this is for married couples who would like to uh, journey together and uh, soak into healthy marriage. And so uh, Sherry and I would love for you to join us uh, in January. So register on the app. Uh, if you have any questions, we'll be around. You can ask us or any of the pastoral staff. We'll get the information to them as well. Okay? Is that good? All right, we're continuing our journey into, uh, into Matthew. I'm going to have us read, and then I'm going to share, share some thoughts with you today. So would you stand with me? We're in Matthew chapter 13. Let's read. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Father, I thank you that your word brings life. I thank you, Lord, that your word is active and alive. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today, that we would not be distracted, that words that come from me that are nonsense would fall away, but the things, Lord, that you have for us would stick and change us for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At the top of the year, we decided to do a series called Kingdom Seekers. You've been seeing the uh, 
back in the backdrop here, you've been seeing this title uh, all throughout the year. And we started the year by looking at Jesus's arrival uh, in terms of his ministry arrival and also uh, the famous Sermon on the Mount. We took a, 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 long, a long time to uh, walk through the, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and we probably could have taken longer to do that. Here we are on the other side of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is continuing his ministry. And what we're going to do for the remainder of 23 is we're going to be looking at the parables Jesus shared uh, with us and to, 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 to kind of uh, unpackage and see what exactly is Jesus teaching here? What is he, what is he showing us through these, through these parables? Have you ever lost something? Are you alive this morning? Have you ever lost anything? Okay. Have you ever lost something and the thing that you were looking for was in your hand? Sherry, where's my cell phone? I can't find my cell phone. Where, where's my phone? Where's my phone? And the people who love you look at you and say, hey, 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 it, it's, it's right there in your, in your hand, right? They say it's right there in your hand. Now, because they love you, they stop the sentence right there, but there's actually more that they want to say. Like, they want to say, the phone is in your hand, idiot, <laughs> right? I've lost things before, and they've been right in front of me. I want you to know that you have access to the kingdom of God. And sometimes we are holding our access and we have no idea that it's in our hand. We have access to the very kingdom of God right now. It's not a far-fetched idea. It's not, a, it's not out in a distant land somewhere. It's not, it's not uh, uh, for a future time. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have access to his kingdom right now. You have access to his kingdom right now. The problem is, is that we are saturated in another kingdom, the kingdom of the world and its culture and its vices and our vices and our flesh and all of those things surround us while at the same time, simultaneously, we have access to the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is here in, in scripture and his desire is to teach us about his kingdom about his kingdom and the, form, and the form that he chooses to teach us in, mostly as we look here in Matthew especially, is in the form of parables. Now, that may be a foreign word to some of you. So uh, some synonymous words would be stories, uh, allegories, analogies. All of those could fit uh, in there. But Jesus, is, Jesus uses parables, stories, to share about his, about his kingdom. Pedagogy is the art of teaching, and Jesus is the master teacher. Jesus is the master teacher. And what Jesus knew is that there was a diverse, a diverse population of learners in front of him, just like a diverse population of learners sits in front of me right now. You may have noticed if you've been here for any length of time, we have sort of a revolving platform of speakers here at Springhouse, and all of us bring something different to the table when it comes to how we present the word. And, and some of you enjoy some uh, methods than, than others, but all of us can learn because we've got a differentiated learning style. In, in education, we call it differentiated instruction. 
And Jesus, when he's telling us these parables, though on the surface, we might, it might, some of them might be head scratchers, I want to disillusion you from the idea that Jesus is trying to confuse us about the kingdom. Jesus so desperately wants us to understand his kingdom. And so in doing that, because he's the master teacher, he uses a variety of methods to teach about his kingdom. And one of those methods he uses is to tell stories, to give analogies. Now, we don't know if these, uh, if these stories are, 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 are fiction or nonfiction, real, not real, or whatnot. And that's not the point. The point is, is that he's trying to describe his kingdom to us. And so we look at these stories and we unpackage and draw from them so that we can get a better glimpse into what the kingdom of God looks like. Now, I don't know how to talk about the kingdom of God without talking about the king. Because the most important part of the kingdom is the king. And because of what we did just a few moments ago, we have access to this king. And I'll tell you what, there is no better access that you have than the king of the universe the king of heaven, the king of all, of all glory. And so Jesus will often open these parables and these stories by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And, and today in our two stories that we're looking at, two parables, he starts with the, the kingdom of heaven is like because he wants us to know what the kingdom of heaven is truly like. So at the core of what Jesus is teaching is this. The value system of his kingdom is vastly different than the value system of the world. The value system of the kingdom of God is vastly different than the value system of the world. The world's value system is inherently a inward system. It focuses inward. It is about me. The world wants you to build a life for you that is about you uh, and that lifts you up. Whereas the kingdom is outward focused. It is less of me, less, less, less of what I can do, and it is about exalting Jesus Christ. It's about exalting Jesus Christ. And, and because we live in this world, this countercultural world, we have to have a good teacher in Jesus, which he is, to explain this kingdom to us. Because even when he was explaining it for the first time, people were trying to get their minds around, what are you talking about? Everything that I've been doing, all the way that I've been living is contrary to some of the things that you're sharing. It's because the value system of the kingdom of God is vastly different than the kingdom of the world. It's important to Jesus that we understand what he's conveying to us. He wants us to understand. How many would say it's important for us to understand? It is, it's important for us to understand. Several years ago, uh, I was laying in bed at night and I hear a screech, I hear a scream out of, uh, out of Lucia's room. And so I jump out of bed like any good parent. And I run and I'm like, what's going on? And Lucy's just screaming, screaming. And she has her finger in the air like this. And she's saying, daddy, boo-boo, boo-boo, boo-boo. And I ran over there and I said, I'm so sorry. And I take her and I hold her like this. And I take her thumb and I go, and I just all over it. She said, Daddy, poo poo, poo poo, poo poo. You see, 
Sometimes understanding is a prerequisite for your next action, right? Understanding what is being presented to you will, will leverage you, will prepare you for what you're supposed to do next, right? And so we want to understand. We want to understand what this kingdom is about and what we're supposed to do with this this knowledge of his kingdom. What is this kingdom about? What is this kingdom like? And Jesus so wants us to under, understand the kingdom. Well, well, Paul gives us a little, uh, a little further definition when he's writing to the Romans, and he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Eating and drinking, inward focus, right? But yet it is a, a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, do you know that you have been given an incredible gift in the Holy Spirit? You've been given an incredible gift in the Holy Spirit that helps you navigate through the kingdom of the world while belonging to the kingdom of God. Isn't that great? God just leaves no stone uncovered. It's like he knows everything. He knows what we're gonna need. He sees the end from the beginning. He's so awesome. So he gives us this Holy Spirit. So what happens when we choose to walk by the Spirit? If we're believers and we're choosing to walk by the Spirit, well, we can see in one of uh, Paul's other letters to the Galatians, we can read over in chapter five, it says this. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the, to the, to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. In other words, the value system of the world and the value system of the kingdom cannot line up. They are polar opposites. And depending on which umbrella you're living under will, depend, will, will determine the outcome and the consequences of each. And there are consequences of each. Are you ready? Okay, let's look at what these consequences are. It says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature, it says, are obvious. Are you ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is he saying there? Those who have subscribed to a value system of the world are not going to be able to inherit the benefits of the kingdom. That makes sense, doesn't it? If you ascribe over here, but guess what? The opposite is true, is it not? If you ascribe to the, the, to the value system of the kingdom of God, then you inherit, you inherit the life that comes from the kingdom of God. Well, he continues and it says this, and I'm gonna put it up here. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so in other words, we once operated under the value system of the world, all of us, all of us. And somewhere along the line, we were introduced to Jesus. And guess what? We tasted and we saw that he was good. 
And then somewhere along the way, we decided, we made a choice through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, we made the choice to crucify that worldly value system and to live under the value system of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. When we live under the value system of the kingdom of God, guess what, guys? We become attractive to the world because the world cannot manufacture love. The world cannot manufacture joy and true peace. The world can't manufacture these things, but when you start to experience that and in its fullness, those things, the world looks at you and says, Tina, you've got something going on in your life that I want. And the word tells us you can have it because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus opens these parables and he starts by telling us about a man or telling us about a treasure rather that is hidden in a field. He says there's a treasure that's hidden in a field. Well, back when this was written, there was no such thing as the Federal Credit Union, Bank of America, Pinnacle Bank, Regions, you name your bank, uh, you name your choice of banking. None of those agencies existed to where we go and store our funding, our treasure, our valuables, if you will. So instead, what they did back then is whenever they assigned value to a particular thing or things, they would go out somewhere on their property and they would dig a hole and they would put that treasure down in that hole and they would cover it up. And as long as that hole was covered up and that was down in there, it was safe because it was on my land. Well, Jesus is telling a story about a man who happened upon a treasure that was buried in the ground. And he sees the treasure and he assigns value to the treasure. And when he sees the treasure and assigns value to the treasure, the word tells us, the story goes, in his joy, in his joy, he covered the treasure back up and went and sold all of his possessions, everything he had, so that he could buy the field. Because whoever owns the field owns the treasure. See, here's the thing. If Jonathan Grisham comes over my house with his little metal detector and he finds something of value on my property, I'm going to be really happy because whatever he found belongs to me, right? It belongs to me. Now I could be generous. It depends on what it is, right? So the man had to buy the field in order to have access to the treasure. I want you to understand this. If you are going to ascribe to the kingdom of God, it is going to cost you something. It is going to cost you something. And the thing that it's going to cost you wasn't worth having in the first place. We think it is because it feels good. It looks good. It sounds good. We think we're doing something. But the God of the universe says, if you'll relinquish that thing to me, I have something so much better for you over here. I have something so much better for you over here. Over in Matthew 25, there's a story about the talents. You guys know that story, the story about the talents and the master gives so many talents. What does the one with one do? He buries it. He buries it because that's what you do with something that's valuable. Now, the master didn't want him to do that. He wanted him to go invest it somewhere, 
but he chose to bury it right there. That's what they did with the valuable, uh, valuable things. Treasure, guys, is anything you value. Very simple definition. What do you value today? Think about that. What do you value most? Now, if you're anything like me who's flawed and broken, there are things that I would tell you that I value, that I would put on a list and show proudly to everybody. And then there's what I actually do with my time and my money and my energy. The word tells us where our treasure is, there our heart is also. And so while you may think that you value this over here, I would ask if what's over here in this, this, this list, is it, does it line up with where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you spend your energy? Because what you think you value, you might actually value as much as you think you do. What do you value? What do you value? When Sherry and I moved, we've, we've moved a couple of times, there inevitably is this box of what she would consider junk, but I consider treasure. Because the stuff inside of that, of that box are things that I have connections to. I have memories maybe connected with somebody, something I saved from a, an experience that I had. And, and if I were to give this box to the severes, at some point, they're going to get tired of storing this junk in their house because to them, it is trash. It is junk. But to me, it's treasure. You always take care of your treasure better than anybody else. You always take care of your treasure better than anyone else. Now, Sherry gets real upset when I come through the house with a trash bag because I am a purger. And if I don't see any value in what we have, I'm stuffing that bag with stuff. And Sherry will say, wait, wait, wait. And she'll dig through that and she'll pull something. You cannot throw away the kids' birth certificates, Kevin. She'll <laughs> always find something that I've thrown away that I shouldn't have but I never throw away anything that I have assigned value to. And so he sells all of his stuff, buys his field. Jesus continues and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who found the most amazing pearl. Now, similar to banking, there were no scuba diving outfits back then. There were no lessons. There were no motorboats or anything. So what they did to find a pearl back then is they would take a boulder and they would tie it to their body and they, they would sink themselves to the bottom of the ocean, scoop up an oyster, cut the rope, and then float back to the top. You can imagine how many times they would have to do this to find anything and how many times they would open an oyster and nothing would be in that. Boy, what type of patience that must have taken. But they would do this over and over and over again. And because of how labor intensive it was, a pearl was a real rare find, especially a pearl of great value. See, here's how a pearl is made. In an oyster shell, an oyster opens its shell to, to eat and to take in things. And every now and then there is a piece of sand or a shard of a shell gets in there, something that doesn't belong. And the clam, or I'm sorry, the oyster will, will close its shell. And then in there, it will notice there's something in here that does not belong. And then it will produce this material, this substance called mother of pearl. 
And it will begin to wrap and encase this broken thing over and over and over again. And the longer that it's in there and the longer it's being coated, this sand or this piece of broken shell will become a pearl. I want to tell you today that when you found the kingdom of God, when Jesus found you, you came in as a broken piece, a broken fragment, a thing that wasn't supposed to belong there. But you got in there and the longer you allow him to hold you, the longer you stay connected to him, he's going to wrap you and wrap you and wrap you and wrap you until you become something precious and beautiful. Until you become something precious and beautiful. And so this merchant finds the pearl above all pearls, finds this this fine pearl, and in his joy, sells everything in order to have that pearl that was found. Jesus wants us to understand a very central point in these two parables, and it is this. The kingdom of God is of far greater value than anything else. The kingdom of God is of far greater value than anything else. So I don't think necessarily that this statement here is a massive epiphany to many people in the room. I really don't. Maybe some of you, this is the first you're hearing this and praise God. But for most of us who have walked with the Lord, I don't think that it takes us too long to get to this. Okay, I can can get my mind around. I actually know that the kingdom of God is of greater value than anything else. My question is, how how is it that we know this information, but our lives are not indicative of it? How is it that we say, we preach, we teach, we wear t-shirts that indicate that we understand that the kingdom of God is of greater value, but when it comes to the day in, day out, leaning in all of the benefit of living for the kingdom, it's as if we don't have understanding at all. I mean, do we blend into the world? When the world is angry and fighting, is that how we respond to things? Are we, are we camouflaged as people who live in the kingdom amongst this world that is just dying? Or do we stand apart as those who have hope? As those who have actual true answers to the problems that is, that's in the world? The answer being Jesus. And so I want, to, uh, I want to submit to you today that one of the reasons why we don't actually all the time live lives indicative of this is because we simply don't have the time to recognize Jesus Christ and his kingdom that's right in front of us. So I've done this object lesson. I did it two years ago. Some of you have seen it. There's been an, uh, enough new faces that haven't probably seen it. And if you have seen it, you probably, like me, need to see it again. This container represents your life. And what we, what we tend to do with our life is we tend to fill it up in the order that seems most convenient, in order that seems uh, the most uh, pleasurable. And so we end up filling our life initially with small frivolous things that don't really matter. It's a priority. It's the first things we think about. I spent five hours of my day scrolling through Instagram, making sure, making sure people knew exactly how I felt about X, Y, and Z. 
spent too much money shopping online or at the store, watching TV, all these things. But that's a priority in my life. This is what number one, before anything else, this is what I'm doing. And then behind that, because, you know, I'm not probably going to get to eat if I don't go to work and do something with my life. And so we, uh, you know, we start to pour in after that, you know, maybe those slightly bigger things, you know, I might have to eat or go shopping or wash my underwear every now and then. So, I mean, there's, those are the, nah, those are a little bit more important than those frivolous things. And then we have reserved the last of all of our energy and time for the things that matter most. Now, these things might be different in your life than mine, but these are some of mine. Now, prayer. I might have some time to do that later. Rest. Who needs rest? Calling. Read the Bible. I could probably just play it on my way to Top Golf. Church. I arrived at 10:45 this morning. Uh, <laughs> marriage, my marriage. I'll sleep on the couch. It's okay. I'm watching TV. <laughs> Service. Family. And so you see, it doesn't fit. And so we get stressed, we get worried, we get anxious, we don't know. And here's the thing, because these big things don't matter, all of this stuff starts falling apart. But guess what? We sure will spend more time on Instagram and we sure will spend more time with the vices and all the things down here because that was the priority in the first place. And it numbs us from identifying that there are problems all around us. But this is not how it's supposed to go. And guess what? Something magical about January 1st. I'm going to change everything. <laughs> not in August or September or November, but January 1st is the holy of holy days. And I'm going to get everything right. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start over. I'm going I'm to put serving first. I'm going to put my family first and the Bible reading. I'm going to read 22 chapters a day. I'm going to go to church every single day. It's open. I'm going to focus in on my marriage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at my calling. I'm actually going to do something at that church and serve in that kid's ministry, at least for a weekend. I'm going to pray. I'm going to rest. And all of a sudden, these, these, these priority, these important things take priority in our lives. And then afterward, we say, okay, well, I know these are the big things, but there are also some slightly smaller things, but they're very important still, you know, because I do got to you know, wash my underwear. And so, I, you know, I, I pour this in now and I'll, I'll make sure that these, these, these slightly smaller things, but still significant things get in there and, and here they are and they, and they fit in, in my life. And, and then after that, maybe I'll have some time to to scroll on social media or just do the things that I'm, you know, I want to do and, and the frivolous things that, that make me happy and bring me joy. And well, at least I think they bring me joy, but they're, they're there. And, uh, but, but look, look how everything fits. And then guess what I do? Oh, I can fit more. Let me put some more of this up in here. Here we go. There we go. Look at all that. Look how much. And here we are on January 2nd. My life's together. <laughs> My life's together. Will, you need to get your life together. Let me pray for you, brother. Do you know that I always read the Bible every day and I go to church and I serve and kids, look what I've got. I'm doing so well. Oh my goodness. And so we're like this and we start looking at everybody else. 
who doesn't have their life together like this and say, well, you should have done something about that on January 1st. You got 365 days to get it together. And we carry it around and we are so proud that we've got our priorities in line and everything's working. And then God comes around with this. And what this is, is the unexpected. This is that unexpected thing that comes into your life. For me, a few months ago, it was a heart attack from my dad. All of a sudden, we don't have the capacity or the ability to jive with the unexpected because we didn't plan for this. We didn't have room for this because we've covered every corner and section of our lives in the right order, but there's no margin for the unexpected. And might I say, or might I suggest today that the unexpected doesn't always have to be something bad. I wonder how many unexpected times we're trampling across uh, treasure or coming across pearls that we don't have time to open and look at. Do you know that in every circumstance, at every turn, in every way, God is trying to speak to you? Today, he's trying to speak to you. In this moment, he's trying to speak to you. When you got upset at breakfast this morning, he was trying to speak to you. When your spouse upset you earlier, he's trying to speak to you. This afternoon, when you walk out of here and you got these plants, he's trying to speak to you. Why? Because you belong to his kingdom. You belong to his kingdom. And I wonder if we are not giving ourselves enough margin in our life for the unexpected, wonderful, glorious things of God to be revealed to us in the mundane and ordinary things we do. Well, Kevin, I've got to go to work. That's how I sustain my family. Yes, you got to go to work. You can look for God at your job. I don't know about this relationship. It just seems like it's not going anywhere or going away. God wants to speak to you in the middle of that relationship. Guys, we have got to examine our capacity because God, I don't know that God ever really intended us to be like this. Because you know what this is? This is Kevin controlling his life. This is Kevin controlling his life. Okay, you're right, Kevin, you're right. I need margin in my life. I need margin in my life. So I'm gonna reach into my life and I'm gonna start pulling stuff out. Start pulling stuff out everywhere. No, what that does is make a mess. Well, you said I need to create capacity. Well, here's the thing. You don't have the ability to create capacity. You need the Holy Spirit to do it for you. And what that looks like is this, my friends. God, I want to turn right, but you want me to turn left. God, I don't want to talk to that person, but you want me to talk to that person. Or maybe it's, I need you to get some help. Because in order for this thing to clean up, you can't do it by yourself. But it takes margin for us to understand, to encounter the kingdom of God. He is looking for empty vessels to fill up. 
You ever been in a situation where you're just so upset at a person and you've got every worldly thing to say to them? God comes in and says, I put that in your life right now as an opportunity to grow. The value system of the world is vastly different than the value system of the kingdom. And these two stories show individuals who were willing to stop, examine, and do something about what God had placed in front of them. And guys, that takes time. It takes time. I'm gonna end with this, this story. Worship team, you can come out. Several years ago, um, I said earlier, I think I said earlier that I like to go around to my kids and I like to lay with them in bed and cuddle with them at night, you know, before they go to sleep. And um, there was this one night that I had gotten home and uh, I had brought home with me a double cheeseburger. Does anybody like double cheeseburgers? This was one of those double cheeseburgers that I just knew was going to be the epitome of juicy and cheesy and you know, my mouth is salivating because it's just the perfect, just, I could tell, I just knew. I just knew this was gonna hit the spot. But I wanted to go say goodnight to my girls before, you know, I sat down to eat and enjoy this cheeseburger. And so I ran upstairs real fast and jumped in bed. Hey, goodnight, okay, goodnight, okay. Earlier that day, before getting my cheeseburger, I had met with a missionary that we're connected with here at the church. This missionary was just telling me the most incredible supernatural stories. I mean, just God's movement on, on how the Lord had, had used him and had flown, flowed through him. And I just was amazed. Have you ever talked to somebody who has like incredible stories about how God has moved through them? Anybody, anybody ever talked to anybody like that? Do you know that you could be that somebody telling those stories if you had the capacity to allow God to use you? So I'm in that moment and I'm just literally in awe of what this guy is sharing with me. I mean, healings and I mean, I, he just, I was in trance. In fact, I think I spent three or four hours with the guy. And so went and got my cheeseburger because I'm hungry after hearing all about that stuff about the Lord, you know? Get home and I get to Lucia's room. She didn't have a boo-boo. Um, but I lay down in her bed for a second and I say, I love you, Lucy, good night. And I start to get out and she grabs my arm and she pulls me back in. And she says, Daddy, would you stay just a little longer? <sighs> I got a cheeseburger downstairs. And I conceded. I said, of course, I'll stay. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God began to minister to me. And he said to me, Kevin, Lucia, the very name means light. It means light. And then he brought back to my mind all of those incredible things that the missionary had shared with me just hours before, and I look up above Lucy's bed, and I see this sign above her bed that we've placed above her bed, and it reads, 
she's going places. And I looked at all of those countries and continents and the Holy Spirit of God said, I'm gonna use Lucia to advance this kingdom around the world and to bring my great glorious light into dark places. And I just started to weep. He said, Kevin, you need to pay attention to the words that are coming out of her mouth right now while she's young because there's coming a time when you are going to grab her arm and you're going to say, Lucia, would you stay just a little longer? Guys, I believe that the Holy Spirit is beseeching you. Would you just stay a little bit longer? You see, in this, in, this, in this planned out life, I've got 30 minutes for devotional. God, you gotta speak in that 30 minutes. I've got an hour and 15 minutes budgeted for church, so speak to me then. But might I submit to you that the, the holy, supernatural, inspired word of God actually happens in minute 31, 32, 33, because it takes sacrifice in order to encounter this God. He doesn't want you to be in control because if you're in control, then you get the glory and not him. Jesus woke up every morning, I believe, and said, Father, what do you want to do today? I never read in scripture where he checked his Palm Pilot or his calendar or his fax machine or computer or anything like that. I never read that anywhere. Now it might be in the message. I haven't read that much in the message, but it's not in the NIV. <laughs> Dad, what do you want to do today? Let me ask you a question. Do you have margin in your life to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want of me today? Well, Kevin, you mean I've got to not go to work? Or if he tells you not to go to work, don't go to work. But no, he wants to use you and speak to you in your ordinary, everyday, coming and going, eating and drinking life. And he will, and he'll speak to you. Do you have the margin to invite him in? Because the treasure is valuable. The pearl is valuable. The kingdom of God is the most valuable thing you have access to. More importantly, the king of that kingdom. So would you stand with me this morning? And with those who are gonna minister this morning, come forward. Back to school has happened. August has happened. We're heading into the fall. And boy, that whole season, that's supposed to be about the most incredible gift that was ever given to us. And boy, don't we just fill up our calendars and fill up our calendars and fill up our calendars. And guys, it starts right now. We start filling them up right now. What would it look like if you invited Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and said, Lord, before I put another thing on my calendar to do, I invite you to be a part of the process. I need a word from you. Does anybody need a word from the Lord? Does anybody need strength for the Holy Spirit to give them the strength to go and get the help that they need, to go and read and understand the word? Does anybody need a strength of the Holy Spirit this morning? It's not gonna happen when you're in control. So today, if you're ready to surrender, feel like you need to surrender, you need the Lord to guide you. You need his help. You need his touch. It's precious. And he's here. 
Come do business with the Lord. Let's worship.